This podcast is brought to you by Brunner Communications, your best resource for public speaking, presentation, and storytelling skills. Visit lizbrunner.com and take your skills to the next level. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Live Your Best Life with Liz Bruner. I'm Liz, and my goal with each episode is to share stories of people who are recreating their lives or rising above challenges to write their next chapters with authenticity. These stories give me the courage to go after living my best life, and I think they will do that for you, too. If you like this episode, please leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to the show so this podcast can continue to inspire next chapters all over the world. What does a national journalist do when you're simply tired of feeling like all you ever do is report on bad news? My guest knew exactly what to do and created her own movement of good news stories. And now the good news movement has more than 4 million followers on Instagram, including some pretty high profile celebrities. Michelle Vigoroa is the founder creator of the good news movement, and she is joining me today. Michelle, thank you for being here. It's a pleasure. I have known about you before we actually met because I grew up just blocks away from Channel 5. Oh. <laughs> so, and my mother still lives there. So I'm there quite often. Oh, that's so wonderful. What was fun was when we first did meet, we're like, we need to do something together. We need to do something together. And here we are. I love what you are doing and all the good news stories that you're sharing. How did you first come Thank up you. with this idea to create the good news movement? And how would you describe your mission, Michelle? So it was a result of over 10 years of getting rejected left and right. So I'm a what you call a permalancer, a permanent freelancer for different TV outlets, mostly CNN and Spanish, thanks to my Colombian mom who speaks Spanish. So a lot of times I pitch good news stories and they were amazing. And I was thinking people need to know these stories and they would get turned down to many hard news stories that they had to put out. And I was sick of getting kicked to the curb. So I created my own platform. I became my own news director and I decided to celebrate all the good news there is because people need to see that there's a lot of good happening. It could be easy to think by watching the news that it's all doom and gloom and it's definitely not. Well, you've definitely solved that with the good news movement, which you began back in 2018. How do you find the stories to post or do they find you? A lot of times people that have been following the page, they see what kind of stories I post. So if something like similar happens in their life, they'll share the story. For example, one of the earlier stories that I shared was a boy. He was in class and his principal gave him enchroma glasses to see in color for the very first time. He was colorblind. And it was such a beautiful moment of him appreciating a wide array of colors for the first time. And then I got all these messages. Hey, I had something like that happen to my son, to my classmate, to my niece. The reason the name is Good News Movement is because the followers play a critical role. They're their own producers. They have their phones. They're filming moments. So they really play an active role. It's not just me being in charge of Good News Movement. It's a lot of people swanning to showcase their good news. And so I'm just amplifying all the good that's happening. I can't imagine how many you're getting on any given day (laughs) from people. And how do you decide which ones to post? Or do you post almost everything that you get? It's always like a cascade of messages and everyone's good news is beautiful in every way. But as a journalist, you do have to kind of pick out a few. It's a good balance of, you know, a lot of it's just instinctual. People ask me if there's certain parameters. No, I mean, you know, as a journalist, you have a feel for something. And even just as a human, I mean, if I 
happy crying to a video, I think, well, my audience will too. So I get about a message every five minutes and I do try to check in. <laughs> I do give myself some breaks. Like I just went for a run, but yeah, it's constant. And that's just a testament to the fact that there is never a shortage of good news happening. Well, I want to brag on you just a little bit here because there are quite a few celebrities who are following you. And I don't have to tell you this as journalists, it kind of takes a lot for us to kind of feel like, oh, we're a little starstruck. Who follows you on Good News Movement that you went, whoa, this is exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess one of the bigger events that happened on the page was when Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, we were their only follow in January of 2020. So I was in Puerto Rico with my family, like totally turned off my phone, wanted to disconnect. And when I turn on my phone, I get all these messages like, congrats about the prince. And I'm kind of like, which prince from which country? What's (laughs) happening? It was quite a surprise that led to an interview with the Queen's Commonwealth Trust about the platform. So it was fantastic. And, you know, it's just kind of interesting. You know, you all grow up with Hollywood and the notion of celebrities and royalty, but we're all people at the end of the day. Celebrities, royalty, they want to feed themselves with good news, too. I have to say Orlando Bloom was exciting. Okay. (laughs) Because I mean, like, Pirates of the Caribbean. So that was fun. I'm honored for anyone, famous or not, to follow the page. And actually, one of the other events that's very New England-centric is that Tom Brady was looking for a guy who posted a picture, his house burned down in California. The only thing he saved was his Brady jersey. And Tom caught wind of this and was like, who can help me track him down? And I was bored right here in my living room. I was like, well, I'm a journalist. Let me see if I can get in touch with him. So I connected them. And then Tom on his page shouted out to Good News Movement. And then all of a sudden I have like Pat's Nation. I don't really know much about football, but all of a sudden I had all these Patriots (laughs) fans. My son is 12 and he's the quarterback. So I'm learning through him. (laughs) I love that. Well, you and I both know the rigors of TV news reporting. You just mentioned more than a decade for you where a story has to fit in like this certain time constraint. But with social media, your story can go on as long as you like. I know for me, that was really liberating when I could do my podcast. How liberating is it for you? Oh, I've been, I mean, like, you know, it got shorter and shorter as the years went on. Originally, it was two minutes. And even that, it was really hard to get into the, like, you basically just covered who, what, where, when, but you couldn't get into more of the why. And I really like kind of short docs. So I always struggled and was editing to like three in the morning with my editor, like, no, don't cut that out. But then if you don't cut it out, then the news director, you know, once you send it to the network, they'll edit it. Online, we still have to keep it pretty short, actually, because of the people's attention spans. In fact, Instagram keeps it to anything over 130, I believe, is no longer real and it just gets a lot less traction. So we do have to kind of like get right to it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we'll edit. And that's where the news experience comes in is if they send me a lot of footage, then I'm like, okay, let's get something edited that grabs people's attention and then keeps them staying for the story. So it's still challenging. And oh, I remember days that I like wouldn't even make the deadline sometimes for the newscast because I would like be (laughs) struggling and perfectionist. No, but it has to be just so. And I learned kind of on the way, just make air, Michelle. (laughs) Don't don't lose a day's of work because you want it just so. It's interesting you should talk about making air because as having that kind of a background, I'm sure you can feel this way. I know what 10 seconds feels like. I know what 15 seconds feels like. We have a very good inner clock, and that works really well for us most of the time. 
Let's talk about your journalism career for a little bit. You've covered, obviously, over your career, many difficult, even tragic stories. Is there anything that you miss about, quote unquote, traditional news media compared to what you're doing now? I try to incorporate it. Like if there's a story I would want to do for a TV newscast, I'll just do it for my own platform. Like in Rhode Island, there was a surf therapy. There is a surf therapy program, Gnome Surf. And I went and I filmed it and I edited it myself. Of course, there's the adrenaline of breaking news. And that was always kind of like a love-hate thing. You know, I loved covering it. But while (laughs) I'm doing it, I'm like, I am so stressed out. I don't know if I'm going to have a heart attack. Exactly. Sometimes I miss that. And sometimes I'm thankful for not having to do it. (laughs) Like storm coverage, that's one thing. Yeah, I'm okay just sitting inside. (laughs) Yeah, let's watch it snow outside, although we haven't had that much snow in New England this year. You just mentioned the surfer story, and I remember seeing that, and what was so special about that besides the program itself was there were all these videographers who just came out to want to help you. And I'm curious, because you have such wonderful stories that you post, is there one that's been a favorite for you, and what did you learn from that story? Well, so what I did, actually, I wrote a kid's book, and I basically took some of my favorite stories from Good News Movement, and a lot of them were revolving around kids doing good. And I really wanted to emphasize that, that sometimes we think good news is what happens to other people or other people are doing it. People kind of think, where do we start? And it it was a very sweet story of this little kid on the street with his mom, and he wanted like street musicians to play for them. And he didn't have money, so he just gave the street musicians like marbles and coins and some like candies that he had in his pocket. And it was just such a beautiful moment Mm. that just reminds us of how beautiful it is to be alive and how wonderful people can be. So it's those moments sometimes are very like simple, but they represent something that kind of rings true for all of us. We have a beating heart, people caring for each other. So I featured that story and a lot of other real life stories in the book. There was also in Japan, there was this one, uh, it was a husband whose wife was blind and she was very depressed. And so he's like, well, she's blind, but I'm going to plant all these flowers so she can at least have a nice fragrant walk. And now it's a tourist attraction in Japan. And it was just such a sweet, beautiful, beautiful story. I hope that like people, both kids and adults alike, can get ideas of how they can do good in the world through the stories they're seeing kids doing a fundraiser for a classmate with cancer. I mean, sometimes it's really simple. We're checking in on an elderly neighbor. Mm-hmm. There was one girl in Holland who she really wanted to cheer up the elderly that were feeling very lonely during the pandemic. The postal office gave her like an official uniform. She was very cute. She was like seven or eight. And she would just handwrite letters and just drop them off mm-hmm. to the elderly. So special. There's so many great things happening that I try to keep up with it all. <laughs> it's a lot to keep up with <laughs> based on getting it one every five minutes. You mentioned your book a moment ago. Congratulations. This is your first book that you have published. It's a beautiful children's picture book, and it's called A Good Thing Happened Today. What inspired you to write this and to take some of these real life stories that you heard about and, and to actually put them into a book? What made you to say, I need to go to this next level? In our lives, why not kind of get to the beginning of people's lives and inspire them from the get-go and show them all the good in the world during their story time with their loved one? And actually, my first job out of college was at Houghton Mifflin Publishing Company. I never could have imagined that I'd actually be on the other side of publishing, writing my own (laughs) kids' book. Hopefully, kids aren't online that young. This is kind of an offline way to, to see all the good that's happening. It's been super fun going to book readings 
and I'm also doing a kindness tour in schools where I read the book and then teach kids, you know, simple ways how they can be kind in the world. Mm-hmm. So it's really kind of extended out into different formats. And it's nice to have something tangible because Instagram is great, but I'm like, here it is. I can touch it. I can, when I'm a hundred years old, I can be like, I wrote this, go to the bookshelf. And that's my book. I can appreciate that. I mean, as an author myself, when I first saw my first book on the store shelf in Barnes and Noble, I was like, oh my God, it's a surreal experience, isn't it? It's very surreal. And I'm happy that I went with my mom who has dementia. And at that point, she was very aware of what's happening. And thankfully, she still is. So we did the same thing. We went to Barnes and Noble and I was like, do you have this book? And then I told the bookseller, like, that's me. (laughs) I saw one of your posts, which was, I believe, one of the first times you showed your mom your book. You handed her a copy of your children's book. She was so (laughs) proud. How did that make you feel to see her reaction? It was priceless for me. I mean, that's more valuable than like a brand new car. (laughs) It's wonderful for her to see, you know, we're all products of our upbringing, right? Mm -hmm, And so mm -hmm. I'm very thankful to her. I mean, she's 150% Colombian and Latin people are very lively and fun. So I also try to feature a lot of stories stemming from Latin America, stemming from Colombia, which is a bad reputation. And I try to show people like there's a lot of good happening there. So it was a great moment. Now, you also managed to get a copy of this wonderful children's book to the (laughs) Princess of Wales when she was in Boston. So you've got this connection to (laughs) Harry and Meghan. Now you have this connection to the Princess of Wales. I can't even imagine how exciting that was. How did you make that happen? I kind of stalked the situation online as a good reporter, seeing like I knew they were going to have different stops in different organizations. (laughs) I ended up in Chelsea and it was really sweet because people actually in the crowd that didn't know me They helped me hand my book to her because I actually couldn't get there early. So it was actually a good news moment right there. It was total strangers were like, she wrote this book. Take a look. Um, (laughs) And then she waved and said, thank you. So that was a fun story. That is a fun story. You mentioned the kindness tour a moment ago, and it's all across the United States right now. And you're reading to children. You're talking Mm -hmm. about kindness acts. Tell us a little bit more about how this tour came about and and what you're hoping to have happen with it. Well, it started out with my dad's friend who's in Walpole. She works there and she's like, hey, can you come to the school? And I did. And it was fantastic. And a big part of it was very sweet. It was children coming up to the front of the auditorium and telling me what their good news is. So you can imagine like six-year-olds, my dog let me pet him. It was just very cute. And it was very necessary because it actually was the day after uh, the devastating school shooting. Mm. And, you know, so it was like very timely to keep these kids in a good frame of mind and think about the positive. That was a big success and they really loved it. And I got the sweetest thank you notes So then that kind of spurred the idea to go to more and more schools. And then I went to a couple in New York and they loved it too. So now I'm just showing up where anyone wants me and trying to fit it into my schedule because I love it. I love working with kids and inspiring them from a young age. Well, you might have to start writing about football soon based on what you said about your son, right? (laughs) Oh my gosh. I try to keep my eyes closed and just like, oh. When you think back to when you were growing up, did you want to be a journalist? Did you know that's what you wanted to do and why? Yeah, well, growing up, I was actually a bit shy. And so I kind of thought of journalism as like a way to invite myself and have a front seat into someone's life or introduce myself to someone. And I thought, how exciting. In my life, I've interviewed country presidents, celebrities. 
I've gone to prison <laughs> to interview people. It's just fascinating to see how other people live their lives, what moves them, what kind of impact people can have on this earth. I thought, what a fascinating career. It wasn't easy. I got turned down a lot. So people sometimes ask me like, oh, this is your overnight success. And I'm like, no, this is more than a decade worth of getting turned down. So, I mean, I was used to that, but now it's nice that no one turns me down. (laughs) (laughs) It's the other way around. Everybody wants to talk to you just like I did. As soon as you and I met, I'm like, you need to be on my podcast. Yes. What has surprised you most, Michelle, about how this good news movement has grown with 4.6 million followers? What has surprised you most? I think it's something very simple, that sometimes it just takes a simple ask for people to help out. And that simple ask can be very hard for people, whether they're struggling with mental health or disease or family members ill. But it's amazing how strangers just want to help out. There was one story of a boy with autism who had nobody show up for his birthday party year after year. And all I did was post about his story and about how he was feeling sad. And he received, I mean, of course, I got other media coverage too, but I think Even just with ours, we got thousands and thousands of people. And it was funny because I didn't want to publish his address on the post. (laughs) So I was like, DM me. And so basically I had copy and pasted this kid's address to individual people for a whole week. (laughs) But it resulted in him getting all these letters and cards, which was amazing. It's so gratifying. Honestly, that to me is the biggest achievement. And that's really what makes me happy when I can at least make some sort of difference or at least connect people that want to make a difference. I got an email from someone who said, Penny Lancaster follows you. And I I didn't know who she was. And it's Rod Stewart's wife. And the person said, my uncle has a few days to live. And I get a lot of these requests, but for some reason I paid attention to this one in particular. And can you write to Penny? So I wrote to Penny. I said, I don't know if Rod could do a little video. So he did. He sent a video, you know, with the song, you're in my heart, you're in my soul. And he sang it to him literally on his deathbed. He passed away two days later. They were so thankful. And I feel so thankful to make those connections to make someone's life a little sweeter. Now, are some of your stories and your content also making it to the Today Show? Did I read that somewhere? Yes. I mean, I think I've made a lot of producers job. A A lot lot easier. easier. (laughs) (laughs) And some don't exactly give me credit, which would be nice. I mean, Hoda's been gracious and I'm thankful for that. And to me, I kind of, my mentality at this point is if I can make a little impact in the way that more newscasts are sharing the positive, I'm all here for it, you Mm -hmm. know, and I'm, I'm happy that it has that effect. It's great. I love to ask my guests, what does living your best life mean to you? So Michelle, what is your definition of living your best life? I think it's really living in the present. I really find that it's not owning this or that, or I just feel like it's really being in the present because we, a lot of the times are focused on the future or on the past that sometimes we can't change. I mean, sometimes we can't even change the future, even though we try to (laughs) to change it the way. But in the present and just enjoying what we have around us. So I'm just very grateful and blessed for friends and family. Even though I have my phone and I have to be paying attention to it, if I'm with family or loved ones, my phone's off. I'm totally in that moment. So that to me is super, super important. Yeah, just continuing to serve. I 
see this. Yes, it's my job, but I'm also serving people. So trying to serve them in the best way uh, I can. It means working harder in difficult times. It means like at the beginning of the pandemic, we were working around the clock. And I say we because my husband, Christian, he's an opera singer who lost his job during the pandemic. So he is amazing. He's a really good researcher. Together, we were just like head down. Let's just try to find as much good as we can because people really need it. I mean, it really is like a medicine for people. It is. All right. We're living in the present right now, but I have to ask you, what is next? What's the future? Is there a second book in the works? Yes. I do want to still have the same theme of how to create good news and I want it to be inspiring, but maybe a little more like playful and silly and fun. So yeah, that's in the works for sure. And then just continuing to find good news and also giving people good news, you know, getting out there and, and rewarding people. During the last marathon, my son surprised people on the street with like plants. And it was just so cute because people were, maybe they were having a bad day or their mind was on something else. And it it allowed them to pause and just be in that sweet moment. And so just more stuff like that, just trying to make the world a better place, whether it's through a book or whether it's through going on the street and helping people out. And then, of course, continuing to publish more good news stories. It's all so beautiful. And folks, if you're listening anywhere around the world, I invite you, please, if you're looking for something to brighten your day, go to good news underscore movement. I want to be very clear about that Instagram handle. It's good news underscore movement and follow the fantastic news that Michelle is sharing. And also get Michelle's inspiring book, A Good Thing Happened Today. It's available online on Amazon. We talked about Barnes and Noble. It's all there. Michelle, from one reporter to another. Thank you so much for creating this movement so that we can find good news in many of the dark times that we go through. Thank you so much. Thank you, Liz. And I have to congratulate you because you always have such a positive energy to you that that really came through in all of your newscasts. So I think it was just meant to be that we connected. You definitely are the good news and are very loved by so many people. So continue to be doing your good news mission with your podcast and all your efforts. And thank you for having me on. It's a total honor. And I am so thankful for those lovely, kind words. Thank you for spending time with me today. And thanks to all of you for listening around the world. Keep searching for the light because it is always there. Until next time, be well. This podcast is brought to you in part by Fast Twitch Media helping people tell their stories and giving them worldwide reach. The future is in the cloud and Fast Twitch Media can take you there. Be your best digital self. Check out fasttwitchmedia.space.